Welcome everybody to today's show. We're going to be discussing offerings. And if you've listened to my last show on tithes, I explained what tithes was. Tithe was, and always will, have to be, or it, it always has to do with food. It has nothing to do with money at all. So, today, we are going to be going through the entire breakdown of all of the different kind of offerings. Again, we're going to uh, compare what supposedly teachers and pastors tell us you know in quotes false teachers what they tell us what tithes and offerings are and guess what we are going to compare it to the word of God because the word of God supersedes anything these people say and if there is a if you have a woman as your pastor I'm sorry but you're you've already already been corrupted but that's for another teaching all right so you know, I figured I was going to do something different with today's show. Um, let's let's go ahead and see what <laughs> Google, unfortunately, when you type in tithes and offerings, here's here's some of the things that pop up. Now, it might be different for some people, but this is what showed up when I typed this in. I just typed in tithes and offerings, and the first thing that pops up is, what's the difference between tithes and offerings? This article says, a tithe is a specific amount, 10% of your income, that you give first, and an offering is anything extra that you give beyond that. Um, here's my only question with that. Where does it say that in the Bible, that an offering is anything extra? And um, is it a specific order? Is Do you do tithing first and then you do your offerings? Or is this just what man tells us what tithes and offerings is? Because uh, we're going to find out today. When we, when we read through the book of Le- Leviticus, we're going to see where exactly the order of things are. Isn't that great? Because anything these people say, all you have to do, be like the Bereans. Who are the Bereans, you ask? Well, they are a very intelligent group of people. That when Paul, during his ministry, spoke about the gospel of Christ. And do you know what they did? 
they didn't take Paul at his word. They're like, okay, this is what you say, but we're going to go and check for this ourselves. And they spent day and night searching the scriptures. And when they found out that what Paul was speaking was the truth, hmm, amazing. That's what we're supposed to do. So, <laughs> um, wow. This is under inspirational quotes. This is from churchofjesuschrist.org. This says, he said, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now. See, a lot of these people love to quote Malachi 3.10. But still, they fail to even read with their own eyes what they're reading. Their eyes, their mind has been so corrupted that even if they read something that shows them, like here it says, that there may be meat. And they read the word storehouse. It doesn't register with them of what that means. Here's the thing. If God wanted it to be written down to where it said money, I guarantee you it would have said money. Do you call meat money? So if I if I were to go um, up to a person like, hey, give me some meat. Are they going to understand what I'm talking about? <laughs> like, can you can you understand how silly this sounds? Like, you go up to a bank and you're like, hey, I'm going to deposit some meat into my account. Uh, sir, excuse me. Yeah, meat, you know, money. Yeah, they're going to think you're crazy. <laughs> Let's see. This is what people ask. What did Moses say about tithes and offerings? This was a question. The Lord spoke through Moses. Thus speak unto the Levites and say unto them, When ye take of the children of Israel the tithes, which I have given you from them for your inheritance, then you shall offer offer up and heave offering of it to the Lord, even a tenth part of the tithe. This is in Numbers 18.26. You know, look, let's go ahead and take a look at that. Okay. So it says Numbers 18.26, but I'm going to go back and start in verse 20. Uh, the New Living Translation, it says this. And the Lord said to Aaron, you priests will receive no allotment of land or share property among the people of Israel. I am your share and your allotment. As for the tribe of Levi, your relatives, I will compensate them for their service in the tabernacle. Instead of, instead of an allotment of land, I will give them the tithes from the entire land of Israel. From now on, no Israelites except priests or Levites may approach the tabernacle. If they come too near, they will be judged guilty and will die. Only the Levites 
may serve at the tabernacle, and they will be held responsible for any offenses against it. This is a permanent, I butchered that word, wow. This is a permanent law for you to be observed from generation to generation. The Levites will receive no allotment of land among the Israelites because I have given them the Israelites tithes, which have been presented as sacred offerings to the Lord. This will be the Levites' share. That is why I said they would receive no allotment of land among the Israelites. <clears throat> now we're getting down to what they mentioned here in Numbers 18.26, starting in verse 25. The Lord also told Moses, Give these instructions to the Levites. When you receive them, when you receive from the people of Israel the tithes, I have assigned as your allotment, give a tenth of the tithes you receive, a tithe of the tithe, to the Lord as a sacred offering. The Lord will consider this offering to be your harvest offering, as though it were the first grain from your own threshing floor or wine from your own wine press. Wow. Again, you see very clear what God is talking about. The first grain from your own threshing floor or your own wine. He says in verse 28, You must present one-tenth of the tithe received from the Israelites as a sacred offering to the Lord. This is the Lord's sacred portion and you must present it to Aaron the priest. Uh, no, they're not talking about me. Yes, my name's Aaron, but no. Verse 29. Be sure to give to the Lord the best portions of the gifts given to you. Also, give these instructions to the Levites. When you present the best part of your offering, when you present the best part as your offering, it will be considered as though it came from your own threshing floor or wine press. You Levites and your families may eat this food anywhere you wish, for it is your compensation for serving in the, taber the tabernacle. You will not be considered guilty for accepting the Lord's tithes if you give the best portion to the priest. But be careful not to treat the holy gifts of the people of Israel as though they are as though they were common if you do you will die you you know what i got to say to that is thank god he sent his son that we are not under this old covenant anymore but hey don't let me stop you from giving tithes and offerings and following the false teaching that jesus warned us about that these Pharisees will do. Huh. Interesting. See, that's what happens when you read scripture in context. And you don't cherry pick scripture. Uh, let's take a look here. Uh, Study.com says there's three types of tithes. Levitical or sacred tithe. The feast tithe. The poor tithe. 
Okay. What does the Bible say about tithes and offerings? Leviticus 27 verse 30 says, A tithe of, every, of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Uh, this person wrote, these gifts were a reminder that everything belonged to God and a portion was given back to God to thank Him for what they had received. Okay, well, there's really nothing controversial about what, the, what that person said. Shepherds. Shepherdaz.church. What are the benefits of tithing and offering, this person asked. Well... This one says, through one act of obedience of tithing, God promises ten blessings. <laughs> okay. When you become born again, you inherit the blessings of Abraham. You no longer have to work for them. So this, how this person says, is an act of obedience. When you tithe, is a work base and this is from this is titled the power and the blessings of your tithe seed this is from the guardian nigeria um here's another question what did jesus say about tithing in matthew 23 23 and luke eleven forty two, jesus referred to tithing as something that should not be neglected now here's the thing that's not what that meant tell me now if this is when you read when i read this to you is this something that jesus is saying that shouldn't be neglected or is he talking about something else okay let's let's read this matthew 23 23 This is the part in the Bible where Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees. In the title of this on verse on chapter 23 in the New Living, the headline says Jesus criticizes the religious leaders. And understand that when Jesus is saying what sorrow blind guides you vipers, he's not quietly saying this he's sternly rebuking them but no one can imagine jesus being like that why why can't you did you not read in the old testament how god acted towards those that disobeyed him mm. verse 23 what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, 
Uh, another translation says, You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. But you ignore the more important aspects of the law. This is what Jesus is really saying. You neglect justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Blind guides. You strain your water so that so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence, you blind Pharisee. First, wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. And Jesus goes on rebuking these people. So Jesus is saying, yes, he's, he's saying you should tithe, yes. But tithing what? Here's what they were tithing. Mint, dill, cumin, food, ingredients. Does it mention anywhere about money? Mm, no. Here's another question. What happens when you don't pay tithes? This is from uh, mobile.gonaweb.com. Here's what they say what happens when you don't pay tithes. <laughs> if you don't pay tithe, the Bible says you are robbing God, quoting Malachi 3.10, and you are under a curse. This person says, this curse cannot be removed by your good works or the fact that you are born again. Heretic. That's what this person is, a heretic. They say, you can only reverse this curse if you start paying tithe. They say tithe is the only key to prosperity and God's blessing. God have mercy on whoever wrote that because they are wrong ten times over. They say that that the curse cannot be removed even if you are born again. You know what that's saying? They are denying what Jesus did for us. Jesus broke the curse of the law. And then they say tithe is the only key to prosperity. The key to prosperity. That sounds like some charismatic uh, Pentecostal NAR slang. Wow. Uh, here's another question. It says, is not tithing a sin? This is from the same website I pre previously quoted. <clears throat> says even in the new testament of the bible the scripture clearly tells us that only the levites are permitted to receive tithe 
If you give your tithe to non-Levi, you are going against God's instruction, and it will be counted against you as a sin. Now, here's the thing. If they actually take what they actually just said right there, they have been sinning for a long time then. Because they're saying only the Levites are permitted to receive the tithe. Unless this person is truly actually giving to a Levite, then maybe they're right. But you know what? God's word says otherwise. Jesus broke that. He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the old covenant. Everything that was mentioned in there, he's fulfilled it. It's been checked off. Here's a question. And this is probably one of the truths I actually found. It says, why is tithe not biblical? Someone's asking. And this person says, this is from relearn.org. says, there is not one passage of scripture telling any Jew or a Christian to give 10% to give 10% of their money to a religious institution which is true you can search the scriptures up and down back to forth front to back you're not going to find any scripture that supports that second they say while tithing is biblical it is not Christian this was strictly a practice for the nation of Israel under, here's the key words, the old covenant, which has been fulfilled by Jesus Christ in the new covenant. Finally, some truth. Finally. Um, I guess we'll do a couple more of these that I had pulled up says what does god promise about tithing and this person says the lord has commanded us to pay tithing in return he promises to of course they love to quote malachi 3:10 open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it and then they say his blessings however come in his own way and in his own time and can be spiritual or temporal churchofjesuschrist.org says that here's another question yeah I didn't open up anymore so this is this will be the last question then we'll start Going into my notes here. And when I say notes, <laughs> like literally, I this is what my notes consist of. What tithes and offerings really mean? Then I have Leviticus. And then I wrote down the different kinds of offerings, like the burnt offering, grain, peace, sin, trespass. And I wrote down the laws of the offerings. And it's just words. I, It's just like the festival of harvest festival of trumpets because there was offerings during those that's my notes anything else i i just speak because god has given me that ability so back to this question does your tithe have to go to a church 
This is from JustDisciple.com. Should my tithe go to my local church? What the Bible says. Quote, they say, Your tithe should go to the local church because we are giving back to God what he has given to us. And they quote Proverbs 3.9, which says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. And pausing right here, this is also another famous passage that these false teachers love to abuse. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. I mean, I too was once blind and I couldn't see. But now that I can see, thank God, is everything stands out so clear. Like, it says right here, of all your produce. And people will just read the Bible. It, God's talking about food. Anyways, continuing. They say Christians give 10% of their first fruits to the local church as an act of surrender to God. Tithe refers to giving money. Um, JustDisciple.com Sorry, tithe does not refer to giving money. Tithe is about food of the field. Giving of your crops unto God. <laughs> so, here's what I want to bring up from what they said here. Um... Let me find this real quick. Okay, so they say, Your tithe should go to the local church because we are giving back to God what he has given to us. And I'm going to read you guys something here. Romans 11, I'm going to start in verse 33. says, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to listen to what Paul says that we should give. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be, let them, your bodies, be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. 
Very interesting. That's the complete opposite of what this person said, right? They're, they're opposite of what Paul says, what we should give to God. These, this person says, your tithe should go to the local church because we are giving back to God what he has given to us. But you know what, Paul? He says, who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? Interesting, right? That kind of shuts this whole tithes and offerings from these false teachers teaching out the window because they say when you sow a seed that God is going to give unto you good measure, pressed down, men shall give into your lap 30, 60, or 100 fold return because these people love to cherry pick the word of God. They love to twist it and they love to take advantage of simple-minded people who do not know better. Yes, these are the wolves in sheep's clothing that Jesus has warned us about. I was deceived by these people. Not anymore, thank God. So... Let's go ahead and move on. We're going to start discussing, going through the different kinds of offerings that the Bible tells us. I've already went through basically how a lot of people have questioned. You, you can look this up on Google about tithes and offerings. Tithes and offerings is a major part of some churches but these people are wrong. And it's those that God has called to teach these people what the Bible really says on these things. And that's my, that's my call. God has called me to teach the rebels. I too was once a rebel. <laughs> But that's what's so good about God and His mercy and grace. And what His Son Jesus has done for us. It's true, He sets the captives free. Praise God. Okay, guys, here we are. We are going to start in Leviticus 1. Alright, we're going to be going through these individually so I'm going to be starting with the burnt offering and then I will go through the laws of the burnt offering and this is very important to understand because we're going to see exactly what offerings is according to the word of God and that is the most important thing that we should understand we got to take God at his word, correct? And if there's correction that needs to be corrected, then humbly accept it. That's all that I'm asking. <clears throat> so, here we go. Starting in Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1. 
Mm. It's talking about the burnt offering. Excuse me. Um, now the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tabernacle of meeting, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When any of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the livestock, of the herd, and of the flock. Now pausing just right there. Does it say money anywhere right there? No, it does not. Verse 3, continuing on, guys. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> if his offering is a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. He shall kill the bull before the Lord, and the priests, Aaron's sons, shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood all around on the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And he shall skin the burnt offering and cut it into its pieces. The sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire on the altar and lay the wood in order on the fire. Then the priests, Aaron's sons, shall lay the parts, the head, and the fat in order on the wood that is on the fire upon the altar. But he shall wash its entrails and its legs with water. And the priest shall burn all on the altar as a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. If his offering is of the flocks, of the sheep, or of the goats, as a burnt sacrifice, he shall bring a male without blemish. He shall kill it on the north side of the altar before the Lord and the priests. Aaron's sons shall sprinkle its blood all around the altar. And he shall cut it into its pieces with its head and its fat, and the priest shall lay them in order on the wood that is on the fire upon the altar. But he shall wash the entrails and the legs with water. Then the priest shall bring it all and burn it on the altar. It is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. And if the burnt sacrifice of his offering to the Lord is of birds, then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or young pigeons. The priest shall bring it to the altar, wring off its head, and burn it on the altar. Its blood shall be drained out at the side of the altar. And he shall remove its crop with its feathers and cast it beside the altar on the east side into the place for ashes. Then he shall split it at its wings but shall not divide it completely. And the priest shall burn it on the altar, on the wood that is on the fire. 
It is a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Now, let's go over to... Um, Leviticus chapter 6, starting in verse 8. This is talking about the law of the burnt offering. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering, which is this. The burnt offering shall be on the shall be on the hearth upon the altar all night until morning. And the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. And the priest shall put on his linen garment and his linen trousers he shall put on his body and take up the ashes of the burnt offering which the fire has consumed on the altar. Side note. The Bible says God is an an all-consuming fire. And no. And take up the ashes of the burnt offering, which is the fire, which the fire has consumed on the altar, and he shall put them beside the altar. Then he shall take off his garments, put on other garments, and carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place. And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it shall not be put out and the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offerings in order on it and he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings a fire shall always be burning on the altar it shall never go out now that is what burnt offerings are that is also the laws for the burnt offering now Let's go back to Leviticus chapter 2, starting in verse 1. We are going to go over the grain offering. Praise God. I hope you guys are following through in your own Bibles or on an app. Um, I'm reading out of the, out of the New King James Version. And whatever whatever version you guys read, to understand the word of God, go for it. But please do, do not read out of the Passion Translation. Um, the guy that translated that for that uh, version, he attends the Church of Bethel. And Bethel is a part of the NAR, the New Apostolic Reformation. I won't go into too much detail, but they teach a lot of false teaching there. Um, Anyways, continuing on here. Leviticus chapter 2 verse 1. When anyone offers a grain offering... To the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour. And he shall pour oil on it and put frankincense on it. He shall bring it to Aaron's sons, the priests, one of whom shall take from it his handful of fine flour and oil with all the frankincense. 
and the priest shall burn it as a memorial on the altar, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. The rest of the grain offering shall be Aaron's and his son's. It is most holy of the offerings to the Lord made by fire. And if you bring as an offering a grain offering baked in the oven, it shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour mixed with oil or unleavened wafers anointed with oil. But if your offering is a grain offering baked in a pan, it shall be of fine flour, unleavened, mixed with oil. You shall break it in pieces and pour oil on it. It is a grain offering. If your grain if your offering is a grain offering baked in a covered pan, it shall be made of fine flour with oil. You shall bring the grain offering that is made of these things to the Lord, and when it is presented to the priest he shall he shall bring it to the altar. Then the priest shall take from the grain offering a memorial portion and burn it on the altar. It is an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. And what is left of the grain offering shall be Aaron's and his sons. It is most holy of the offerings to the Lord made by fire. No grain offering which you bring to the Lord shall be made with leaven. For you shall burn no leaven nor any honey in any offering to the Lord made by fire. As for the offering of the first fruits, you shall offer them to the Lord, but they shall not be burned on the altar for a sweet aroma. And every offering of your grain offering you shall season with salt. You shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacking from your grain offering. With all your offerings you shall offer salt. If you offer a grain offering of your first fruits to the Lord, you shall offer for the grain offering of your first fruits green heads of grain roasted on the fire, grain beaten from full heads. And you shall put oil on it and lay frankincense on it. It is a grain offering. Then the priest shall burn the memorial portion part of its beaten grain and part of its oil, with all the frankincense as an offering made by fire to the Lord. Now, let's jump back over to Leviticus chapter 6, starting in verse 14. This is the law of the grain offering. This is the law of the grain offering. The sons of Aaron shall offer it on the altar before the Lord. He shall take it from its handful of fine flour of the grain offering with its oil and all the frankincense which is on the grain offering, and shall burn it on the altar for a sweet aroma as a memorial to the Lord. And the remainder of it Aaron and his sons shall eat. With unleavened bread it shall be eaten in the holy place. In the court of the tabernacle of meeting, they shall eat it. It shall, not, it shall not be baked with leaven. I have given it as their portion of my offerings made by fire. It is most holy, like the sin offering and the trespass offering. All the males among the children of Aaron may eat it. It shall be a statute forever in your generations concerning the offerings made by fire to the Lord. 
Everyone who touches them must be holy. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This is the offering of Aaron and his sons, which they shall offer to the Lord, beginning on the day when he is anointed, one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour as a daily grain offering, half of it in the morning and half of it at night. It shall be made in a pan with oil. When it is mixed, you shall bring it in. The baked pieces of the grain offering you shall offer for a sweet aroma, for a sweet aroma to the Lord. The priest from among his sons who is anointed in his place shall offer it. It is a statute forever to the Lord. It shall be wholly burned, for every grain offering for the priest shall be wholly burned. It shall not be eaten. Alright, now let's jump to Leviticus chapter 3, verse 1. This is discussing the peace offering. <clears throat> Starting in verse 1. When his offering is a sacrifice of a peace offering, if he offers it of the herd, whether male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand on the head of his offering and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And Aaron's sons, the priest, shall sprinkle the blood all around on the altar. Then he shall offer from this sacrifice of the peace offering an offering, <clears throat> excuse me, an offering made by fire to the Lord. The fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks, and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys, he shall remove. And Aaron's sons shall burn it on the altar upon the burnt sacrifice, which is on the wood that is on the fire, as an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. If his offering as a sacrifice of a peace offering to the Lord is of the flock, whether male or female, he shall offer it without blemish. If he offers a lamb as his offering, then he shall offer it before the Lord, and he shall lay his hand on the head of his offering and kill it before the tabernacle of meeting. And Aaron's son shall sprinkle its blood all around on the altar. Then he shall offer from the sacrifice of the peace offering as an offering made by fire to the Lord, its fat and the whole fat tail, which he shall remove close to the backbone, and the fat that covers the entrails, and all the fat that is on the entrails, the two kidneys, and the fat that is on them by the flanks, and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys, he shall remove. And the priest shall burn them on the, on the altar as food, an offering made by fire to the Lord, and if his offering is a goat, then he shall offer it before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on its head and kill it before the tabernacle of meeting. And the sons of Aaron shall sprinkle its blood all around on the altar. Then he shall offer from it his offering, as an offering made by fire to the Lord. The fat that covers the entrails, and all the fat that is on the entrails, the two kidneys, 
and the fat that is on them by the flanks, and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys he shall remove. And the priest shall burn them on the altar as food, an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma. All the fat is the Lord's. This shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations. In all your dwellings you shall eat neither fat nor blood. Now, <laughs> let's jump to... Um, Give me one moment. Leviticus chapter 7, verse 11, which talks about the law of peace offerings, which we just went over. Starting in verse 11, it says, This is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer to the Lord. If he offers it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Unle unleavened cakes mixed with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, or cakes of blended flour mixed with oil. Besides the cakes as his offering, he shall offer leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offering. And from it he shall offer one cake from each offering as a heave offering to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest who sprinkles the blood of the peace offering. The flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering for thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day it is offered. He shall not leave any of it until morning. But if the sacrifice of his offering is a vow or a voluntary offering, shall be eaten the same day that he offers his sacrifice. But on the next day, the remainder of it also may be eaten. The remainder of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day must be burned with fire. And if any of the flesh of the tabernacle of sorry, and if any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering is eaten at all on the third day, it shall not be accepted, nor shall it be imputed to him. It shall be an abomination to him who offers it, and the person who eats of it shall bear guilt. The flesh that touches any unclean unclean thing shall not be eaten it shall be burned with fire and as for the clean flesh all who are clean may eat of it but the person who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering that belongs to the lord while he is unclean that person shall be cut off from his people moreover the person who touches any unclean thing such as human uncleanness an unclean animal or any abominable, unclean thing, and who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering that belongs to the Lord, that person shall be cut off from his people. Alright, now, let's jump to Leviticus chapter 4, verse 1. This is speaking about the sin offering. And I don't know if you guys have noticed, but do any of these offerings include money? So far, I have not read anything where it says money at all. But let's 
let's just continue reading, you know, and see if, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe there's money mentioned in here somewhere. Because we are to test these things, correct? We are supposed to judge and test to see whether what these people are speaking of, speaking of is what God has truly said. So starting here in verse 1, Le Leviticus chapter 4, verse 1, speaking about the sin offering. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If a person sins unintentionally against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which ought not to be done, and does any of them, if the anointed priest sins, bringing, bringing guilt on the people, then let him offer to the Lord for his sin, which he has sinned, a young bull without blemish as a sin offering. He shall bring the bull to the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord, lay his hand on the bull's head, and kill the bull before the Lord. Then the anointed priest shall take some of the bull's blood and bring it to the tabernacle of meeting. The priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle some of the blood seven times before the Lord in front of the veil of the sanctuary. And the priest shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar of sweet incense before the Lord, which is in the tabernacle of meeting. And he shall pour the remaining blood of the bull at the base of the altar of the burnt offering, which is at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. He shall take from it all the fat of the bull as the sin, as the sin offering, the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat which is on the entrails, the two kidneys, and the fat that is on them by the flanks, and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys he shall remove, as it was taken from the bull of the, of the sacrifice of the peace offering. And the priest shall burn them on the altar of the burnt offering. But the bull's hide and all its flesh, with its head and legs, its entrails and offal, the whole bull he shall carry outside the camp to a clean place, where the ashes are poured out, and burn it on wood with fire, where the ashes are poured out, it shall be burned. Now if the whole congregation of Israel sins unintentionally, and the thing is hidden from the eyes of the assembly, and they have done something against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which should not be done and are guilty, when the sin which they have committed becomes known, then the assembly shall offer a young bull for the sin and bring it before the tabernacle of meeting. And the elders of the congregation shall lay their hands on the head of the bull before the Lord. Then the bull shall be killed before the Lord. The anointed priest shall bring some of the bull's blood to the tabernacle of meeting. Then the priest shall dip his finger in, in the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord in front of the veil. And he shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar which is before the Lord, which is in the tabernacle of meeting. And he shall pour the remaining blood at the base of the altar of burnt offering, which is at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. He shall take all the fat from it and burn it on the, on the altar. 
and he shall do with the bull as he did with the bull as a sin offering. Thus he shall do it, do with it. So the priest shall make atonement for them, and it shall be forgiven them. Then he shall carry the bull outside the camp and burn it as he burned the first bull. It is a sin offering for the assembly. When a ruler has sinned and done something unintentionally against any of the commandments of the Lord his God in anything which should not be done and is guilty, or if his sin which he has committed comes to his knowledge, he shall bring as his offering a kid of the goats, a male without blemish, and he shall lay his hand on the head of the goat and kill it at the place where they kill the burnt offering before the Lord. It is a sin offering. The priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger, put, on, put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering, and pour its blood at the base of the altar of the burnt offering. And he shall burn all its fat on the altar, like the fat of the sacrifice of the peace offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him concerning his sin, and it, and it shall be forgiven him. Verse 27. If any of the common people sins unintentionally by doing something against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which ought not to be done, and is guilty, or if his sin which he has committed comes to his knowledge, then he shall bring as his offering a kid of the goats, a female, without blemish, for his sin which he has committed. And he shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering, and kill the sin offering at the place of the burnt offering. Then the priest shall take some of its blood with his finger, put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering, and pour all the remaining blood at the base of the altar. He shall remove all its fat, as fat is removed from the sacrifice of the peace offering. And the priest shall burn it on the altar for a sweet aroma to the Lord. So the priest shall make atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him. If he brings a lamb as his sin offering, he shall bring a female without blemish. Then he shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering, and kill it as a sin offering at the place where they kill the burnt offering. The priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger, put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering, and pour all the remaining blood at the base of the altar. He shall remove all its fat, as the fat of the lamb is removed from the sacrifice of the peace offering. Then the priest shall burn it on the altar, according to the offerings made by fire to the Lord. So the priest shall make atonement for his sin that he has committed, and it shall be forgiven him. All right. Now, let's go look at the law of the sin offering. Which is in... Uh, Leviticus chapter 6, starting in verse 24. The law of the sin offering. Also the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, This is the law of the sin offering. In the place where the burnt offering is killed, the sin offering shall be killed before the Lord. 
it is most holy. The priest who offers it for sin shall eat it. In the holy place it shall be eaten, in the court of the tabernacle of meeting. Everyone who touches its flesh must be holy. And when its blood is sprinkled on any garment, you shall wash that on which it was sprinkled in a holy place. But the earthen vessel in which it is boiled shall be broken. And if it is boiled in a bronze pot, it shall be both scoured and rinsed in water. All the males among the priests may eat it. It is most holy. But no sin offering from which any of the blood is brought into the tabernacle of meeting to make atonement in the holy place shall be eaten, it shall be burned with fire. All right, <clears throat> now let's go to Leviticus chapter 5, verse 1. <clears throat> This is talking about the trespass offering. <coughs> Excuse me. As you guys can tell, <laughs> there's a lot of offerings. This is a lot of information. But this is important to understand because if we don't go through this, then there's going to be people that are still going to believe that tithes and offerings has to do with money. And as we continue to read, so far there has been no mention of money whatsoever in these offerings. Starting in verse 1, If a person sins in hearing the utterance of an oath, and is a witness whether he has seen or known of the matter, if he does not tell it, he bears guilt. Or if a person touches any unclean thing, whether it is the carcass of an unclean beast, or the carcass of unclean livestock, or the carcass of unclean creeping things, and he is unaware of it, he also shall be unclean and guilty. Or if he touches human uncleanness, whatever uncleanness with which a man may be defiled, and he is unaware of it, when he realizes it, then he shall be guilty. Or if a person swears, speaking thoughtlessly with his lips, to do evil or to do good, whatever it is that a man may pronounce by an oath, and he is unaware of it, when he realizes it, then he shall be guilty in any of these matters. And it, and it shall be when he is guilty in any of these, in any of these matters, that he shall confess that he has sinned in that thing, and he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord for his sin which he has committed, a female from the flock, a lamb or a kid of the goats as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him concerning his sin. If he is not able to bring a lamb, then he shall bring to the Lord for his trespass which he has committed, two turtle doves or two young pigeons, one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering. And he shall bring them to the priest who shall offer that which is for the sin offering first and wring off its head from its neck, but shall not divide it completely. Then he shall sprinkle some of the blood of the sin offering on the side of the altar and the rest of the blood shall be drained out at the base of the altar. 
it is a sin offering, and he shall offer the second as a burnt offering according to the prescribed manner. <clears throat> so the priest shall make atonement on his behalf for his sin which he has committed, and it shall be forgiven him. But if he is... <coughs> Excuse me. But if he is not able to bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, then he who sins shall bring for his offering one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour as a sin offering. He shall put no oil on it, nor shall he sprinkle, nor shall he put frankincense on it, for it is a sin offering. Then he shall bring it to the priest, and the priest shall take his handful of it as a memorial portion and burn it on the altar, according to the offerings made by fire to the Lord. It is a sin offering. The priest shall make atonement for him for his sin that he has committed in any of these matters, and it shall be forgiven him. The rest shall be the priest as a grain offering. All right, now let's go and look at the laws concerning that. <laughs> Starting in Leviticus chapter 7, verse 1, the law of the trespass offering. Likewise, this is the law of the trespass offering. It is most holy. In the place where they kill the burnt offering, they shall kill the trespass offering. And its blood he shall sprinkle all around the altar, and he shall offer from it all its fat, the fat tail and the fat that covers the entrails, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks, and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys he shall remove. <clears throat> and the priest shall burn them on the altar as an offering made by fire to the Lord. It is a trespass offering. Every male among the priests may eat it, shall be eaten in the holy place. It is most holy. The trespass offering is like the sin offering. There is one law for them both. The priest who makes atonement with it shall have it, and the priest who offers anyone's burnt offering. That priest shall have for himself the skin of the burnt offering which he has offered. Also, every grain offering that is baked in the oven, and all that is prepared in the covered pan or in a pan, shall be the priest who, offer it, who offers it. Every grain offering, whether mixed with oil or dry, shall belong to all the sons of Aaron, to one as much as the other. Alright, there's the laws concerning the burnt, grain, peace, sin, and trespass offerings. Now, we are going to look at... Um, Let's go over to Leviticus chapter 27 here. Starting in verse 1, we are going to be discussing redeeming persons and property dedicated to God. Now it says here in verse 1, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When a man con consecrates a 
buy a vow of certain persons to the Lord, according to your value, valuation. If your valuation is of a male from 20 years old up to 60 years old, then your valuation shall be 50 shekels of silver, according to the shekel of the sanctuary. If it is a female, then your valuation shall be 30 shekels. And if from 5 years old up to 20 years old, then your valuation for a male shall be 20 shekels, and for a female, 10. And if from a month old up to 5 years old, then your valuation for a male shall be 5 shekels of silver, and for a female, 3 shekels of silver. And if from 60 years old and above, if it is male, then it shall be 15 shekels, and for a female, 10 shekels. But if he is too poor to pay your valuation, then he shall present himself before the priest, and the priest shall set a value for him, according to the ability of him who vowed, the priest shall value him. If it is an animal that men may bring as an offering to the Lord, all that anyone gives to the Lord shall be holy. He shall not substitute it or exchange it, good for bad or bad for good. And if he at all exchanges animal for animal, then both it and the one exchanged for it shall be holy. If it is an unclean animal, which they do not offer as a sacrifice to the Lord, then he shall present the animal before the priest, and the priest shall set a value for it, whether it is good or bad. As you, the priest, value it, so it shall be. But if he wants to add all, but if he wants at all to redeem it, then he must add one fifth to your valuation. And when a man dedicates his house to be holy to the Lord, then the priest shall set a value for it, whether it is good or bad. As the priest values it, so it shall stand. If he who dedicated it wants to redeem his house, then he must add one-fifth of the money of your valuation to it, and it shall be his. If a man dedicates to the Lord part of a field of his possession, then your valuation shall be according to the seed for it. A homer of barley seed shall be valued at fifty shekels of silver. If he dedicates his field, his field from the year of Jubilee, according to your valuation, it shall stand. But if he dedicates his field after the Jubilee, then the priest shall reckon to him the money due according to the years that remain till the year of Jubilee and it shall be deducted from your valuation. And if he who dedicates the field ever wishes to redeem it, then he must add one-fifth of the money of your valuation to it, and it shall belong to him. But if he does not want to redeem the field, or if he has sold the field to another man, it should not be redeemed any more. But the field, when it is released in the jubilee, shall be holy to the Lord, as a devoted field, it shall be the possession of the priest. 
And if a man dedicates to the Lord <clears throat> a field which he has bought, which is not the field of his possession, then the priest shall reckon to him the worth of your valuation up to the year Jubilee, and he shall give your valuation on that day as a holy offering to the Lord. In the year Jubilee the field shall return to him from whom it was bought, to the one who owned the land as a possession. And all your valuation shall be according to the shekel of the sanctuary, twenty geras to the shekel. But the firstborn of the animals, which should be the Lord's firstborn, no man shall dedicate, whether it is an ox or sheep, it is the Lord's. And if it is an unclean animal, then he shall redeem it according to your valuation, and shall add one-fifth to it. Or if it is not redeemed, then it shall be sold according to your valuation. Nevertheless, no devoted offering that a, man, that a man may devote to the Lord of all that he has, both man and beast, or the field of his possession, shall be sold or redeemed. Every devoted offering is most holy to the Lord. No person under the ban who may become doomed to destruction among men, shall be redeemed, but shall surely be put to death. And, <coughs> excuse me, verse 30, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land, or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. If a man wants at all to redeem any of his tithes, he shall add one-fifth to it, and concerning the tithe of the herd, or the flock, or whatever passes under the rod, the tenth shall be holy to the Lord. He shall not inquire whether it is good or bad, nor shall he exchange it. And if he exchanges it at all, then both it and the one exchanged for it shall be holy, shall not be redeemed. These are the commandments which the Lord commanded Moses for the children, for the children of Israel on Mount Sinai. Interesting, right? <laughs> now we can read in Numbers 1, it talks about the census, but we're not going to go there. Let's, um, let's go ahead and jump over to Numbers 28. Numbers chapter 28, starting in verse 1. This talks about daily offerings. And we're just going to go through because there's quite a few things here in Numbers chapter 28 that I want to go over with you guys. We're going to be discussing the, the daily offerings the Sabbath offerings, monthly offerings, and offerings for the Passover and for the festivals. So continuing here, guys, in Numbers chapter 28, verse 1, let's take a look at the daily offerings. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel, and say to them, my offering, 
my food for my offerings made by fire as a sweet aroma to me, you shall be careful to offer to me at their appointed time. And you shall say to them, This is the offering made by fire, which you shall offer to the Lord. Two male lambs in their first year without blemish, day by day as a regular burnt offering. The one lamb you shall offer in the morning, the other lamb you shall offer in the evening, and one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour as a grain offering mixed with one-fourth of a hin of pressed oil. It is a regular burnt offering, which was ordained at Mount Sinai for a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. And this drink offering shall be one-fourth of a hin for each lamb, in a holy place you shall pour out the drink to the Lord as an offering. The other lamb you shall offer in the evening, as the morning grain offering and its drink offering. You shall offer it as an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Now, continuing on here, this is going to talk about Sabbath offerings. And on the Sabbath day, two lambs in their first year without blemish, and two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour as a grain offering, mixed with oil with its drink offering. This is the burnt offering for every Sabbath, besides the regular burnt offering with its drink offering. Now, it's talking about monthly offerings. At the beginnings of your months, you shall present a burnt offering to the Lord, two young bulls, one ram, and seven lambs in their first year, without blemish, three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour as a grain offering, mixed with oil for each bull, two-tenths of, of an ephah of fine flour as a grain offering, mixed with oil for the one ram, and one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering for each lamb, as a burnt offering of sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. Their drink offering shall be half a hin of wine for a bull, one-third of a hin for a ram, and one-fourth of a hin for a lamb. This is the burnt offering for each month throughout the months of the year. Also, one kid of the goats as a sin offering to the Lord shall be offered, besides the regular burnt offering and its drink offering. <clears throat> Continuing on here, offerings at Passover. There's a lot, guys. <laughs> be sure to soak all of this information up, and I encourage you to read this with your own eyes. <laughs> Verse 16, on the, 14th, on the 14th day of the first month is the Passover of the Lord, and on the 15th day of this month is the feast. <clears throat> Unleavened bread shall be eaten for seven days. On the first day you shall have a holy uh, convocation. I've probably said that word wrong. <laughs> um... Anyways, you shall do no customary work, and you shall present an offering made by fire as a burnt offering to the Lord, two young bulls, one ram, 
and seven lambs in their first year. Be sure they are without blemish. Their grain offering shall be a fine flour mixed with oil. Three-tenths of an ephah you shall offer for a bull and two-tenths for a ram. You shall offer one-tenth of an ephah for each of the seven lambs. Also, one goat as a sin offering to make atonement for you. You shall offer these besides the burnt offering of the morning, which is for a regular burnt offering. In this manner you shall offer the food of the offering made by fire daily for seven days, as a sweet aroma to the Lord. It shall be offered besides the regular burnt offering and its drink offering. And on the seventh day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work. Alright, here it's talking about offerings at the Feast of Weeks. Also, on the day of the first fruits, when you bring a new grain offering to the Lord at your Feast of Weeks, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work. You shall present a burnt offering as a sweet aroma to the Lord, two young bulls, one ram and seven lambs in their first year, with their grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil, which consists of three-tenths of an ephah for each bull, two-tenths for the one ram, and one-tenth for each of the seven lambs, also one kid of the goats to make atonement for you. Be sure they are without blemish. You shall present them with their drink offerings, besides the regular burnt offerings with its grain offerings. <clears throat> now, can you imagine if you practice just one thing, one thing out of the old covenant? You can't. You have to do. You have. You have to do everything that God commanded the Israelites to do. You can't just practice one thing. You have to do it all. Now, can you imagine having to do these every day? Every month, every year, on all the feasts, on the Passover. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God for his son. <laughs> Alright, going over the numbers, chapter 29. This is talking about offerings at the Feast of Trumpets. And in the seventh month... On the first day of the month, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work. For you, it is a day of blowing the trumpets. You shall offer a burnt offering as a sweet aroma to the Lord. One young bull, one ram, and seven lambs in their first year without blemish. Their grain offering shall be fine flour mixed with oil. Three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for the ram, and one-tenth for each of the seven lambs. Also, one kid of the goats as a sin offering to make atonement for you. Besides the burnt offering with its grain offering for the new moon, the regular burnt offering with its grain offering, and their drink offerings, according to their ordinance, as a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord.
All right, verse 7 is talking about offerings on the Day of Atonement. On the tenth day of this month, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall afflict your souls. You shall not do any work. You shall present a burnt offering to the Lord as a sweet aroma. One bull, one young bull, one ram, and seven lambs in their first year. Be sure they are without blemish. Their grain offering shall be a fine flour mixed with oil. Three-tenths of an ephah for the bull, two-tenths for the one ram, and one-tenth for each of the seven lambs. Also, one kid of the goats as a sin offering, besides the sin offering for atonement. The regular burnt offering with its grain offering and their drink offerings. Now pause. As we are reading this, do you see any of these offerings have to do with money? Is money involved in any of these offerings? If you answer that yes, money is indeed offered in any of these offerings, you either one need to get your eyes checked and reread what these offerings consist of. There's no money mentioned whatsoever. This is why it's important to read, to understand these laws, these regulations that God commanded the Israelites to follow. But we have Jesus who fulfilled all of this. He has fulfilled it all. So why people continue to practice tithes and offerings is beyond me. They either don't recognize that Jesus has fulfilled the old covenant and its laws. Or, or they continue believing in the false teachings that these people tell them that tithes and offerings is still for today. And when I mean, <clears throat> when I say that these people say that tithes and offerings is for today, they are linking that with money. But when we, when we have read what these offerings consist of, money is nowhere to be found. So where they got this teaching of that tithes and offerings has to do with money does not come from the Bible. Where it comes from, we will get to that soon. But let's continue here because <clears throat> in verse 12, it's talking about now the offerings at the Feast of Tabernacles. Verse 12, on the 15th day of the seventh month, you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work. And you shall keep a feast to the Lord seven days. You shall present a burnt offering, an offering made by fire as a sweet aroma to the Lord. Thirteen young bulls, two rams, and fourteen lambs in their first year. They shall be without blemish. Their grain offering shall be of fine flour mixed with oil. Three-tenths of an ephah for each of the thirteen bulls, two-tenths for each of the two rams, 
and one-tenth for each of the fourteen lambs, also one kid of the goats as a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering, its grain offering, and its drink offering. On the second day present twelve young bulls, two rams, fourteen lambs in their first year without blemish, and their grain offering, and their drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs, by their number, according to the ordinance. Also, one kid of the goats as a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering with its grain offering and their drink offerings. On the third day present eleven bulls, two rams, fourteen lambs in the first year without blemish, and their grain offering and their drink offerings for the bulls, for the rams, and for the lambs by their number, according to the ordinance. Also one goat as a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offering, its grain offering, and its drink offering. My goodness, this goes, this goes on. On the fourth day, on the fifth day, on the sixth day, on the seventh day, on the eighth. Verse 39 says, These you shall present to the Lord at your appointed feasts, besides your vowed offerings and your free will offerings, as your burnt offerings and your grain offerings, as your drink offerings and as and your peace offerings. So Moses told the children of Israel everything just as the Lord commanded them, commanded Moses. Very interesting, right? <laughs> now, let's go ahead and take a look at where these false teachings come from. All right, guys, so let's go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter 3, and let's start in verse 11. <clears throat> this talks about Paul confronting Peter. Verse 11, but when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. For what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile Christians who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish Christians followed Peter's hypocrisy. And even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, Since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like these Gentiles. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not 
because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. Would that mean Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner. Now listen to this. Rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law I already tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your Christian lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would declare the Gentiles to be righteous because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, All nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing. Abraham received because of his faith. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say, It is through faith that a righteous person has life. This way of faith is very different from the way of law, which says, It is through obeying the law that a person has life. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. 
when he was hung on the cross he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing for it is written in the scriptures cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree through christ jesus god has blessed the gentiles with the same blessing he promised to abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised holy spirit through faith dear brothers and sisters here's an example of everyday life just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement so it is in this case god gave the promises to abraham and his child and notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children as if it meant many descendants rather it says to his child and that of course means christ this is what i am trying to say the agreement god made with abraham could not be cancelled 430 years later when god gave the law to moses god would be breaking his promise for if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law then it would not be the result of accepting god's promise but god graciously gave it to abraham as a promise why then was the law given it was given alongside the promise to show people their sins guys that is why the law was given now listen to this but the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised god gave his law through angels to moses who was the mediator between god and the people now a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement but god who is one did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to abraham is there a conflict then between god's law and god's promises absolutely not if the law could give us new life we could be made right with god by obeying it but the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin so we receive god's promise of freedom only by believing in jesus christ before the way of faith in christ was available to us we were placed under guard by the law we were kept in protective custody so to speak until the way of faith was revealed let me put it another way the law was our guardian or schoolmaster until christ came it protected us until we could be made right with god through faith and now that the way of faith has come we no longer need the law as our guardian for you are all children of god through faith in christ jesus and all who have been united with christ in baptism have put on christ like putting on new clothes there is no longer jew or gentile slave or free male and female for you are all one in christ jesus and now that you belong to christ you are the true children of abraham you are his heirs and god's promise to abraham belongs to you amazing isn't it <clears throat> 
Um, let's see here. Uh, it says here in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. <clears throat> he united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he <clears throat> excuse me, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. <clears throat> uh, let's see, what else here? Um, I'm trying to find where Paul talks about uh, the false teachers. Either it's Paul or it's someone else. Um, let's go over here to First Timothy chapter six, verse two. Um. If the masters are believers, that is no excuse for being disrespectful. Those slaves should work all the harder because of their efforts or helping other believers who are well-loved. This is where I wanted to get right here. Teach these things, Timothy, and encourage everyone to obey them. Some people may contradict our teaching, but these are the wholesome teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. These teachings promote a godly life. Anyone who teaches something different is arrogant and lacks understanding. Such a person has an unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of, of words. This stirs up arguments ending in jealousy, division, slander, and evil suspicions. These people always cause trouble. Their minds are corrupt, and they have turned their backs on the truth. To them... A show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation, and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. And also here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 says, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you.
Um, I believe it's in the book of Hebrews is what I'm trying to get at here. Let me see. Like I have so many things in in the book of Hebrews highlighted. <laughs> um, bear with me guys I do apologize Okay, I did find it. Um, It's in Galatians 5. So, let's go ahead and read this whole chapter. It's about freedom in Christ. So, Christ has truly set us free. Now, make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God then Christ will be no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. You are running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God. For he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge that person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to mutilate you by circumcision would mutilate themselves. So you can see, these false teachers were trying to tell the Galatians that they must be circumcised. But it's a false teaching, Paul says. This is the little yeast. If these false teachers telling them to be circumcised is false teaching, imagine what these teachers are telling us that say tithes and offerings is for today and that it is that it means to give God money. That is false teaching, that is little yeast. And it says here, chapter 6, Galatians chapter 6, verse 12, those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. 
They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. But thank God, we are not under that old law anymore. Thank God. And now, let's, let's go over to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never, they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped, for the worshippers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why, when Christ came into the world, he said to God, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or the offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, Look, I have come to do your will, O God, as is written about me in the scriptures. First, Christ said you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they were required by the law of Moses. Then he said, Look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering he forever made perfect those who were being made holy. And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. For he says, This is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. This is why it's so important, you guys, to read the Bible for yourselves. Be like the Bereans. Whatever these teachers are trying to teach you or preach at you, 
You line it up with the word of God and you test that spirit to see if it is from God or if it is not from God. There's many other teachings besides this tithes and offerings thing that they want you to believe in. That is still for today. Whether these teachers or these pastors realize it or not, whether, whether they realize what they are saying is false, they are guilty. They are teaching a different kind of gospel. They are teaching about a different kind of Jesus. They are teaching on a different kind of Holy Spirit. All of these things, ladies and gentlemen, is the little yeast that Jesus has warned us about. So in conclusion, my dear brothers and sisters, I want to read Hebrews chapter 13. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely, surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food which don't help those who follow them. We have an altar from which the priest in the tabernacle have no right to eat. Under the old system, the high priest brought the blood of animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin, and the bodies of the animals were burned outside the camp. So also Jesus suffered and died outside the city gates to make people, to make his people holy by means of his own blood. So let us go out to him, outside the camp, and bury the disgrace he bore. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow, 
it would certainly not be for your benefit. Pray for us, for our conscience is clear and we want to live honorably in everything we do. And especially pray that I will be able to come back to you soon. Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified in the eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen.